Let's see. There's uh, branch banking, mobile banking, online banking, but how about authentic banking? The call to join forces with customers rather than force them into financial subservience is definitely gaining momentum. But what does authentic banking look like in the everyday world? To find out, we'll talk with Rick Calero, Senior Managing Director, Institutional Client Manager for TIAA. Welcome to BAI Banking Strategies, where each week we'll focus on the key issues facing financial services leaders. We'll bring you objective opinions and actionable insights that will help you power smart decisions. I'm your host, Lou Carloso, the Managing Editor at BAI. Come on in. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. And here with us, we have Rick Calero, the Senior Managing Director, Institutional Client Manager at TIAA in New York City. Rick was previously President and Chief Executive Officer of TIAA Craft Trust Company, FSB. He joined TIAA in 2013 to oversee TIAA FSB and its overall strategy and operations, which culminated in the acquisition of EverBank in 2016. And Rick, Pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. One thing I love about us East Coast guys, right? We like to think of ourselves as authentic. You espouse what's called an authentic banking approach. Share with us what you mean by that. One of the things within the banking industry that we could stand to learn from is just how do we make banking more transparent overall? How do you build an actual honest relationship with a consumer client. And speaking here specifically around consumer banking, we've always, I think in the industry, talked about having these relationships. They should be based on a true value exchange. So I entrust you with my funds or I take a loan. How do we actually engage? Because it seems at times it's one-sided and you'll see a lot of other industries truly form value. And that's where the level of authenticity or transparency that I think we could stand to gain from How do you build honesty into the relationship and not take advantage at times of consumers, either because they're busy or they've got other things on their minds besides what might be in their particular balances that day? It all comes down to having a certain level of transparency in the overall relationship. Transparency? And authenticity are terms that make a lot of sense to me. Maybe some people might say, well, that's a little soft. I personally don't think it is at all, but maybe elaborate on that a little bit. You know, you'll hear a lot around communications sometimes between customers or from the bank to the customers. And very often you'll hear the term disclosures. We've disclosed that. But really, did we communicate it, I think, is what sometimes one way I look at it is were you insightful enough in our relationship to inform me of what I needed to know at the right time? You'll see digital taking a lot of that space. Perfect example is nothing used to, I think, upset customers more than having a teaser rate out there, but taking your legacy customers and not either informing them of it or giving them the benefit of the doubt around it. So all you did was, in an effort to acquire one new customer, you might have also alienated another one. Again, we go back to this term about relationships. Well, that should be around value creation and treating customers thoughtfully, if you will. Now, when it comes to overall access, a subset, of course, of thoughtfulness, that access, fairness, and equality in finance, what do you feel needs to be top of mind, especially from an ethical point of view? 
the first one always comes down to pricing, perhaps. Is there value in the pricing? Are you charging me the right amount, either on a percentage basis or on a fee basis? You saw a lot early on, years ago, a lot around overdraft fees. It became significant on banks' income statements. But was that the right type of transaction to build a business on? So if you think about it, are punitive fees appropriate? And is there time and a place for them to nudge customers into the right behavior? So I think pricing and fees is probably the most common one. I think the other side of it, too, is sometimes access. One of the things I've seen, a lot of businesses have begun to not take cash anymore. And there's this debate going on in New York about whether that is equitable or not. So if someone doesn't want to use a debit card or doesn't even have a bank account, is that fair to customers? I know legislatures are dealing with this issue across the country, actually. But I think that's what it comes down to is access, fairness, and equality in the relationship. This has been a hot topic, and politicians have sounded off in Chicago. We're starting to see more of this cashless trend. When we translate this movement in finance, these concerns about fairness and equity, and how should all of this manifest itself in a decision-making level at banks? The way to approach it is by literally seeing the relationship or the customer through their own lens, through their own eyes, if you will. What is it they're trying to accomplish, their behaviors, recognizing that how do you remove friction at times from their lives as they interact, the use of other capabilities, like when to introduce automated systems, if you will. So I think at the top of the house, at the decision-making level, it's keeping that focus on what the customer needs to do, not what we want them to do. That sometimes gets lost. Outside of banking, you'll see the best companies taking that approach, and they're truly creating value for a customer because they've learned the customer and they've segmented customers so well that it's almost intuitive as to what a customer will need at what point in time. In fact, there seems to be this disconnect between what banks say they value and what they do that makes customers feel even more illiterate. The word disclosure, for example, or the use of jargon terms. What are the key connections that we need to make here? Yeah, I think you nailed it on the question itself. I mean, we as an industry speak to this notion of disclosures. Everything was sent to you in the mail or electronically. You have access to all of the information you need to make a decision or to be informed. And I think that's a lot different than communicating with a customer. Personally, I don't like the term financial literacy. I think it implies that someone, by definition, illiterate. But that's not the case. There's different segments. There's different needs. You mentioned one, demographics in terms of age and experience. And I think it's important to respect the customer and meet them at their experience level at that point in time. So there may be more sophisticated customers that may need different product sets, and there may be some customers that just need basic services. And I think bringing those customers along as they learn, as they get exposure, as they build even wealth is critical. But to either overwhelm a customer or say you disclosed it is not the same as communicating with a customer. This podcast has some disclosures too, but I'll share those later. <laughs> but, um, now, this branches out into the subject of sales practices. There has been so 
much change in the way that banks approach sales practices and trying to start over in some cases from a very ethical point of view to deliver that real value. What do you think needs to happen for the talk to turn into bona fide action that takes a hold in the industry at large? Yeah, and I think the term itself needs to be defined. I think at the end of the day, you have to have the sales function. It's how businesses grow. Really, what that translates into for customers is help me choose. Again, going back to the previous question, make recommendations based on my needs, what you need to accomplish or what the business needs to accomplish. To your question about what really needs to happen, there's multiple levers, I think. Compensation is one. I think that's the one that most institutions are looking at, if you will. But I think there's also managerial metrics that you need to look at in terms of outcomes on behalf of customers, where customers, clearly customer satisfaction scores, clearly the right outcomes for customers, and not necessarily at the point of sale, but perhaps six months or even a year down the road. Are they utilizing these products correctly? If they're not, maybe you can adjust it six months down the road. Maybe we failed to place you in the right product at the beginning. Can we adjust it now? Oh, now is a good time to review it. I think that, going back to the first question, I think that's where the authenticity comes up. If you're truly looking at it this way, it's not just one point in time, it's multiple months, if not years, in the future. The other lever, I think, is multiple disciplines need to be involved. This is not just at the front line, but I think risk and audit need to do the appropriate levels of testing to ensure when you have significant differences in performance, what's driving that and testing it to ensure that there are no unethical practices being exhibited or in place. Banks, in so many cases, are concerned about ethical matters, but clearly what you're pointing to is a road less traveled. Really fantastic insights. Rick, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. Rick Calero is Senior Managing Director, Institutional Client Manager for TIAA. He is based in the Big Apple, New York City. You can look for Rick on LinkedIn. And here are three key takeaways from today's podcast. Number one, authentic banking means transparent banking based on strong relationships with consumer clients. This needs to be a value exchange that is two-sided and builds honestly into the relationship, which all comes down to, yeah, communication, where banks are insightful enough to tell banking customers what they need to know at the right time. Number two. Value pricing is a cornerstone of ethical banking. Overdraft fees, while creating significant income, must give banks pause to say whether their actions are punitive as well as profitable. Banks that see the customer through the customer's own lens will stay focused on what that person needs to do, not what banks want them to do. And number three. In the industry at large, banks do a good job of informing customers what their policies are, but not clearly communicating with them. What's more, a strident stress on financial literacy, as the bank sees it, may actually make some customers feel financially illiterate. Bringing customers along as they grow in wealth and knowledge means hanging in for the long haul, recognizing customer needs, and revisiting suggestions and relevant products at multiple points in time.
The next generation of leaders are the fuel for the financial services industry's journey into the future. BAI Emerging Leaders Network creates exciting new learning, mentoring, networking, and visibility opportunities that foster career success. Applications are now open for the 2019 class of emerging leaders. Learn more at BAI.org. And now BAI Banking Strategies presents My 21-Year-Old Self, where our podcast guest talks about what they were like at 21, life as an emerging leader, and the advice they give themselves today. Fresh from the military, a young Rick Calero set off for college, though his path diverged more than once. Occasional confusion? Yep. Obstacles? You bet. But through the lens of experience, Rick knows what he'd tell his 21-year-old self. Seek out the obstacles and run towards the challenges. Listen. At 21, I had just come out of the military and was going into college with some assistance from the Army and had some experiences under my belt, but was still relatively looking for a path forward. And that's changed multiple times, I think. And knowing what I know now, I think my guidance would be what Stoics would call find the obstacles or face the challenges. And more often than not, facing those challenges is the answer because you can't hide from them. You can't run away from them. Running directly into the challenges at times, I think, will provide, or has provided, I think, a fruitful and engaging life. And I think we all have regrets of some sort or another, but clearly seeking out these challenges is just so much more fulfilling, I think. So I would say, Rick, continue to run towards the challenge. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast. We hope to have you back with us very soon. Be sure to check out our ever-growing archive of podcasts at BAI.org. Our producer, as always, is James Grady. Be sure to connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm Lou Carloso, the managing editor of BAI. We'll see you soon. So long. Thank you.